All right, so I don't think you guys need me to tell you that none of us can predict the future, right? There's no way that, especially with what we're going through right now, that anybody could have seen this coming. But there are some things that we can do when this goes back to normal, uh, whatever that new normal is. There are things that could be done in general for us to get a little bit more control of our lives or our career. And I think that if coaches and leaders are really honest with themselves, if people are, and we're going to talk about why I think this here in a moment, I promise it's not just some kind of pseudoscience. The majority of us, we know that people are motivated by some level of autonomy, mastery, and purpose. But ultimately, most people want to take more control of their career or their lives. Within leadership or coaching, they also want to become a better coach, and they want to have the opportunity to do more of what they love. Right? If we can do those things, we'll ultimately be pretty happy. Most leaders, coaches aren't really high maintenance. They, don't want, they just want to do what they love and do it on their terms. Guys, that's exactly why I created Valued, uh, the course that we've now opened year-round. It's all literally a blueprint that we created, myself and five other coaches, to help you do just that. Is it the answer to all of your problems in your life all the time? No. Is it literally the first resource for coaches to learn how to adapt because the old way is broken and take more control over their career and uncertain circumstances so that they can have an opportunity to do more of what they love on their own terms? Absolutely. We cover everything from whether you want to now learn more about the digital space and marketing and, and ethical branding to managing forms of burnout and information overload and, and even elements of anxiety. All of that is covered in this course. It is fully self-paced. I get it. I've taken online courses before and I didn't finish them. And I know sometimes I can feel like, dang, like, like sunk cost fallacy. I knew I wanted to buy this and, and I need to finish it. And then you just keep going down this hole. Guys, that's okay. It's okay if you didn't finish something in the past. You would have lifetime access to Valued and you have lifetime access to any of my courses. You can finish it whenever you want. I get that time is precious and we don't have much of it, but we also don't have many opportunities to take more control of circumstances before more things like this possibly happen in our lives. So if you want to learn more, just go to artofcoaching.com backslash courses. That's artofcoaching.com backslash courses. Welcome to the Art of Coaching Podcast, a show aimed at getting to the core of what it takes to change attitudes, behaviors, and outcomes in the weight room, boardroom, classroom, and everywhere in between. I'm your host, Brett Bartholomew. I'm a performance coach, keynote speaker, and the author of the book, Conscious Coaching. But most importantly, I'm a lifelong student interested in all aspects of human behavior and communication. I want to thank you for joining me. And now let's dive into today's episode. All right, getting into today's episode, and I think we can do this one in 10 minutes or less. That's the goal here. What we're talking about is, all right, since this has happened, COVID-19, what should we do? That's what today's episode is all about. Like, what can we do? What, what should you do? All those things. Now, I want to start with what you should not do, and these are just some reminders. One, you should not think or feel pressure to post constantly whether that's on social media, a newsletter, message boards, or even just sending emails, you shouldn't feel this need to do something all the time. And we're going to have a whole nother episode about that. It's called Why Silence is Better Than BS. But a lot of people have reached out saying, I feel like I need to say something. I feel like I need to address this. The short answer is no, you don't, right? It's not 
this is not something where all of us have to weigh in on our, if you feel compelled to do so and you feel moved to do so, great. But just understand there's so many people out there that already feel overwhelmed and bombarded by this news cycle or just people saying this or a friend of a friend in another country who's told them about that. You don't need to say anything or do anything you don't want to. Everybody's just trying to do the best they can. So that's one thing hopefully you guys realize you do not need to do. You don't need to sit and fret and think like, you know, you're some star or public official who everybody's waiting to hear from and, or that you just feel like you have this responsibility. Sometimes we just have a responsibility to sit and wait and play our position and play our role and be there for our family and other people. So you shouldn't feel compelled to do that. Two, you shouldn't isolate yourself. It can get really easy to withdraw during times like this. You get nervous, you get scared, there's so much uncertainty. And again, people crave control. I mean, guys, right up there with number two of not isolating yourself would be number three, and they're related. You shouldn't hoard toilet paper. Now, this one is a little bit tongue in cheek, but I'm dead. Like, it is amazing to me, you know, 20 years from now, 10 years from now, five years from now, we're going to look back and be like, yeah, I remember it well. Hoarded toilet paper really made me feel like I had control of this situation. Like, what are we doing? What are we doing? It's insane. And you know what's funny? Like I went into Costco the other day just to get lunch stuff. There was no way I thought we were actually going to have toilet paper. And thankfully we have toilet paper because guess what? Just because this virus hit, like all of a sudden our bowel movements didn't increase 85%, right? But I just asked the guy, I go, are you still seeing people hoard toilet paper? He goes, it's unlike anything I've ever, we tried telling them guys like, it's okay. They're, ma- they're making more and people just keep beating down the doors. And while it makes sense to me that, you know, masks and hand sanitizer would be in short supply because of the uh, pandemic, I mean, it's just amazing. Well, I mean, obviously, as somebody that's interested in behavior, which I am, I'm fascinated why, why this happens. And we talk a little bit about it in Bought In, where, you know, people have these drives to learn, acquire, bond, and defend. And this one is kind of acquire and defend all in one. They want to buy toilet paper because they want to defend against uncertainty. So I dove into the research a little bit on this, right? So humor me. What I found is this wouldn't be the first time there was panic over toilet paper. In 1973, U.S. consumers cleared shelves of rolls of toilet paper across grocery stores for a month based on little more than rumors, fears, and a joke. So the way the story goes, at least from the research that I've done, is at the time, Americans were already worrying about limited supplies of products like gasoline and electricity and even foodstuffs like onions. And a government press release went out warning of a potential shortage in toilet paper. And then that all of a sudden led to a ton of press coverage. Imagine that. And there wasn't really social media at the time, so nobody can blame this. But there was really no outright panic buying at the time. That is until Johnny Carson, who, by the way, is a former Nebraskan, if I'm correct, and I'm from Nebraska as well. If you don't know Johnny Carson, he was a famous late-night television host. He joked about it during a monologue. And instead of laughing, like, people literally took it seriously and started to hoard toilet paper. Now, Americans aren't alone in this. It's not, you know, in uh, 2013, Venezuelans... Venezuelans hoarded the commodity. Um, There was a drop in production. The government ended up seizing a toilet paper factory in effort to ensure more supply. That didn't work. But when you think about it, the numbers show, and I'm sure this depends on the research that you read, so chill out if you found out that, like, I'm off a few, right? But uh, the average person 
in America uses about 100 rolls of toilet paper a year. The average person, right? So we're not talking about families or households. The average person, whatever even that means. Because if you read the book, The End of Average, there's really no average. But let's just say statistics show, on average, people use about 100 rolls of toilet paper a year. Now, if most of it came from China, that's a huge problem because, well, supply chains had been disrupted for a period of time with that in that country. But the U.S. actually imports very little toilet paper, less than 10% as of 2017. And most of that came from Canada and Mexico. The U.S. has been mass producing its own toilet paper since around the late 1800s. And so there are other industries like shoe manufacturing and others that have fled the country for sure. But toilet paper manufacturing is steady. Guess what? We got that, guys. If nothing else, we got the toilet paper. There's almost 150 U.S. companies making this product. So then why do people hoard, right? Like, what is the point of hoarding? Well, we come across this thing in the research called zero-risk bias. And it's essentially in which people prefer to eliminate, at least during times of uncertainty, that is, and eliminates a double entendre. Uh, They try to eliminate one type of possible superficial risk. They'd they'd rather do that, like loss aversion, rather than do something that would reduce their risk by a greater amount. Like in in short, hoarding makes people feel secure. Really interesting. And, you know, we're also going to do an episode in the future about schadenfreude and some other things people do to kind of feel secure or uh, even a little bit more in control of certain situations. But I just think that's interesting, right? Now, here we are. I'm talking about what, what should we do, and we just spent a few minutes talking about toilet paper, but hopefully you understand there are certain things we should not do, right? So we talked about not posting constantly, feeling pressured that we have to say something, isolating yourself. You know, you want to be around people right now who are thinking positively or who are trying to be resourceful and people that are not losing their minds and spreading, you know, just bad information or panic. You don't want to hoard toilet paper, which is just another way of saying quit trying to seek control that it, you know, trying to seek control during times of uncertainty doesn't tend to work out very well. History shows us that. And you shouldn't go nuts with to-do lists. I mean, I think it's great when people are like, oh, I got all this time on my hand. Here we go. And out come the daily journals and, you know, the, the essentialist stuff and people just, I mean, the other day, God bless him too. I'm not, I'm not, I'm just not this kind of guy right now in my life. I saw a neighbor like power washing his house and the next day he's aerating the lawn and the next day I'm like, good Lord, I am a failure as an adult. And then I felt compelled, like, do I need to go home and do this? And the fact is, no, I got other things I need to do. But, you know, we can, we're very good at creating things for ourselves to do. Like you don't need to just like break out the to-do list. All right, so what should we do? Well, I guess you could consider this a to-do list. These are just suggestions though. One, when, whenever you're dealing with managing uncertainty, the first thing you got to do, and you guessed it, is double down on communication. Now, what do I mean by that? Guys, you know, communication during times of uncertainty is critical. I mean, it's the, the two things people are doing right now in abundance, in abundance are communicating, trying to convey information in a helpful manner and improvising. They're doing their best. You know, but the bottom line is they're trying to find ways to get information out. Now, how can you do this? Well, if you think about it, guys, it's great to reconnect with loved ones. Uh, There's always that person you haven't gotten back to in a while. I'm a big proponent of handwritten notes. Take the time to go through your list of people that you needed to get back to and that you know that you owe a little bit more time because, I don't know, maybe they helped you with something in the past or maybe they stuck their neck out for you or 
and maybe they've tried reaching out to you several times and you've just always been too quote unquote busy, send them a handwritten note. If you don't want to send them a handwritten note, send a former colleague or a mentor or a loved one a handwritten note. Like those little things matter more than ever during times of uncertainty. The physical, the, the feeling of touching a letter. Now I know you could say, what well, you know, this virus is spread by touch. It's not exactly true. They show, you know, if something comes in the mail, you leave it for about 24 hours and you know, there's no certainty, whatever. Use rubber gloves then. My point is, is just do something meaningful from a communicative standpoint. That's important and that's going to make a difference. Two, take pragmatic action, right? Do something or anything in support of, you know, somebody else's success or your company's success or your family's success. Just like, just do something. Get back to basics at delivering value. You know, focus on what you can control, again, other than toilet paper, and deliver on that. You know, do you lead a mentoring group? Call them. Call every single one of them individually and try to touch base with them. Uh, do You know, is there somebody that you can provide online programming to? Is there somebody that, you know, you can do anything for? But this is a great time to double down on social capital. And, you know, this could even be, you know, if you go back and you listen to the episode on barking up the wrong tree, we talk all about social capital, but this is a time where you want to deliver value and it doesn't have to come in the form of Instagram-based bodyweight workouts. Now, if that's your jam, guys, it's all for it. I'm not denigrating that. I know that's like a huge thing right now. I'm just speaking to the people that, you know, that doesn't really click with, and I'm one of them. I think it's awesome that people are doing that. It's not my problem to solve. It's not what I'm going to do. I, I had people ask me, hey, could you start posting on this? Like, no, there's a lot of great people already doing that. I'm going to try to do some other things with this podcast. I have a group I got to, uh, you know, I nurture our coalition mastermind group, things like that. There, there's other ways we can all help. You just got to figure out what that is, what that is for you. And there's a lot of dynamics that you can double down on. You know, the other thing is, and, and I know some people aren't going to like this, learn aspects of another trade. Yep. I'm talking about a side hustle. Now, this isn't sketchy. And for those of you that think this is sketchy and there's plenty in the performance community that go on and on long and loud about this stuff. Why don't you go ahead and ask others, strength coaches, both in the team and private sector. But let's talk about the team for a, a moment here who have had their pay docked or they're completely shut down. Right? So here are people that have been told, Hey, give your whole life to an organization. Don't do anything on the side. But by the way, now they have no safety net. Maybe they have a rainy day fund of two to three to four to maybe $10,000. What happens once that's gone, right? So this is why we have to double down on learning actual trades because it's not a bad thing to have a backup plan. It's just not. You know, there's so many ways out there that you can earn additional income to take care of those you love and nobody is better by being put into a situation where they financially can't support their loved ones or keep the lights on. So learn another trade. Because there are industries that are doing well through this. Those in cleaning and, and different forms of manufacturing and delivery. I mean, drive-in movie theaters have had uh, a run of good luck here lately. You know, there's people that can be podcast engineers. We pay somebody uh, to help put this podcast up. Uh, there's all kinds of things you can do as a virtual assistant. Some of you are great writers. Why don't you help a company with their copywriting? You, you can, guys, there's all kinds of freelance opportunities. And this doesn't mean that all of a sudden you're not a coach or you're not, you know, a, a CEO or you're not a dentist or you're not somebody else. I, we have so many people that listen to this episode from so many different vocations. It's okay to like kind of leverage your other skill set. Are you handy? Do you make stuff? I got another neighbor. This dude's making stuff every day, puts Bob Vila to shame. And, you know, I'm sure he sells some of it. I'm sure most of it's for his family, but good on him. 
you know? So learn another trade. It's not sketchy. It's prudent. It really is. It's prudent. And you have to think about those things. Uh, something you can do from a financial standpoint to help yourself go through recurring subscriptions. You know, do you really need that Spotify membership? You know, are you still crushing Netflix? Is there something you signed up for a long time ago that you just do not need anymore that is eating the the five and ten dollars? Because here's the thing, it's very rarely the big expenses. You know, I think it's always interesting. My wife and I were talking about this the other day. You know, things that we've spent a hundred, two hundred, even five hundred on, very rarely we regret because we put a lot of thought into those purchases. But it's the little things like the $3, the $5, the $10.99, the $9.99. Those are the things that will eat you up. It's death by paper cuts. That's why so many companies do that now. We live in the subscription economy because they know you're, you're barely going to miss it. So if you're really financially strapped right now, don't look at like the big things. Don't be like, oh, we got to sell the lawnmower or I got to sell all my kettlebells. Come on. Those are things that add value to your life. Well, maybe not the lawnmower. I'm joking. But, you know, there's other things that you can look at that are not adding as much value. Like, I even looked at that. I looked at it. I'm like, I love Spotify Premium. But right now, I'm okay, like, not, I, I'm okay having some ads here and there. You know, that's, that's money I can put into a rainy day fund, or I'm one of those crazy people that still invests in the stock market. Why? Son of a stockbroker. We look at history. And, by the way, this isn't me giving you financial advice. The stock market's pretty resilient, right? Like, I, I hope all of you listening live to be 60, 70, 80, and beyond. And let's say you do, well, let's say this is a bear market or something that goes bad for 24 months. What is that in the context of your whole life, right? So if you're, if you're pulling money out of it and you're not investing even, you know, whatever little you may invest, you know, then it's like, well, guys, like, again, are you penny rich, dollar foolish? You know, you got to think about these kinds of things. So the bottom line, we could go on and on. There's so many different things you can do. What you need to do is just think about it. Think financially, what can I do? From a relationship standpoint, what can I do? If you want more of these kind of how I look at to-do lists, go to my YouTube page. We talk about uh, on, on one of the videos, it is you know one of the biggest mistakes people make in their careers and their lives. They focus too much on categorical things and they don't focus on their values. Like every night, I try to think, did I do something that helped me physically, financially, spiritually, um, something with my marriage, all those things. Look at those. Those are the things you want to double down on right now, the unseen wounds. So please, you know, I hope you enjoyed this podcast. I want to do more quick hits like this. Technically, we went over 15 minutes. Listen, I went down a rabbit hole with that uh, uh, toilet paper thing. But all I'm asking you to do is, is be thoughtful, place intelligent bets, we know that there's certain things that people are always going to do. It would have been quotidian and boring for me to say, hey, spend more time with your family. Clean out that shed that you've been, take on that project you've been putting off forever. Like, we know that stuff, right? Do that, but place intelligent bets right now and try to think long-term. I know it's hard. I know it's hard. This is not me speaking from the top of the mountain. Like I said, I've been very transparent. We had to cancel a lot of our live apprenticeship, and that was revenue we were going to use to bring on a new hire this year. Not to mention stuff that was going to help support us during, you know, my wife's transition from her other full-time job to the company. So we're not, we're not, I'm not some guru from the mountain. I'm just trying to kind of just get, get you out of your own head. Place intelligent bets. There are certain things that are likely. What's likely is this will get better. It will. It's going to get better. We don't know what it is, but place intelligent bets. Operate in sprints. Uh, embrace your short-term strategies, guys. You know, again, focus on delivering value. Look at your bright spots because here's the last thing I'll leave you with. Something is working. No matter what is not going in your favor right now, no matter what is just chewing up your bandwidth in your mind and giving you anxiety, 
something is working. You need to find what that is. You need to find what that is. Like one of the things we know is working is our podcast. I mean, you guys, uh, I can't tell you how much all of you mean to me. Our podcast has grown 409% in one year. And here's the last lesson I'll lead you with that's ironic about that. Almost everything I had no interest in doing five to six years ago is the stuff that's working the best for me right now. For the longest time, I was just a strength coach that did not want to do anything but coach. I was the curmudgeon. I was the, oh, you got to be in the trenches. That's just what I learned and it's what I loved. But then we, my wife and I went through our own kind of version of this chaos, not like coronavirus, but guys, we moved across the country. I had left my job. I was going to open a gym. We looked at a space. The gym got, we got outbid for it. Oh my God, what are we going to do? My book hadn't really started selling yet. And so I, you know, I was like, screw it. We're going to try a lot of different things. I'm going to coach. I'm going to start a business. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And we did it by necessity. And some of that stuff is what kept us afloat during this. When we lost tons of money doing our live events that we had to cancel, not to mention the flight costs and everything, like we're sitting here like, all right, well, how can we keep food on the table and everything? Well, thankfully the book still sells well. We have a loyal podcast following. We got a great group in the coalition. I still coach guys, believe it or not. I practice what I preach and there's things like that. And so I'm just telling you the things that you're probably most against right now, you need to keep the most open-minded. How do, how do I say that? You need to be the most open-minded about because it might be the thing that saves you. And you might be running from it because you know that thing is what you need to do. You just don't want to double down on it quite yet. Maybe you're a perfectionist. Maybe you doubt yourself. Maybe, maybe you're not quite sure how it'll be received. I didn't know. I didn't know how anybody would take my book, my podcast, or whatever. I'm sure there's plenty of people that hate all of it. But it's people like you guys that keep me doing it. And it's people like you guys I'm going to give my best to continually, even through times like this. All right, that's it. If you guys want more, go to artofcoaching.com. I appreciate you. If you feel moved to, leave a review, share with a friend. We're trying to be helpful. Hope you enjoy the shorter episodes we're going to do every now and then. Take care of yourselves. Wait, 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 wait. Before you go, glad I caught you. Listen, there's a lot of people that think that I just have social media, podcasts, and, and YouTube. Guys, there are so many more resources uh, if this stuff interests you. Um, first of all, if you haven't checked out the book, I'd be honored if you would. It's on Amazon worldwide. It's called Conscious Coaching. Uh, we have a free field guide. There's so many resources I try to provide online, free eBooks, free downloads. If you just go to artofcoaching.com, check out the free resources. There's also online courses. So whether you're interested in the coaching, communication, psychology side, we have an online course called Bought In. Uh, that is a great resource. It's research-backed, and it applies to every profession. You do not have to be a strength and conditioning coach. Literally, I use the term strength coach and athlete because that's what I do. But just like you read uh, an article or a book by a former Navy SEAL or somebody that owns a company in Silicon Valley, all these things are relatable to other fields. Also, if you're looking more into career management, whether that's you trying to learn more about marketing, contract negotiation, networking, resume writing, all these things that go into the messiness of trying to create and cultivate a sustainable career, we have a course for that as well. It's called Valued. Both of those are found on artofcoaching.com. Remember, the podcasts and all these other things, you know, they're 
I can only share so much and we try to do it in so many other mediums. So please, I'd be honored at your support. We try to make sure and donate a percentage of the proceeds every year to either fight Alzheimer's, uh, cancer research. We, uh, we donate to local police forces. We try to do a lot of different things and we can only do that with your support. Thanks again for listening to the podcast and I hope you enjoy those resources.